Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to episode 15 of the 95 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham, and today is a special occasion. This is the final episode of the 95 Killers podcast for season one. So I thought I'd bring out my brother. Come on, Nuru. I've been knowing this brother for over 15 years, and he's what I call a serial entrepreneur. He used to dance for the rapper Special Ed, went on to have his own group called Jiggy, and owned 11 barbershops and also hair products. I want to give a warm welcome to my brother, Come on, Nuru. Welcome to the show, Come on. How you feeling, brother? I feel great, Glenn. Thanks for having me. No, brother. Thank you for making time in your schedule to come over here and share your wisdom with us. Well, I'm going to get straight to it. I would love to ask you this question. I've been thinking about it. How old were you when you discovered your passion? And then how did you transform that passion into a business and a lifestyle? As far as being a barbershop owner, barber yeah. and barbershop owner? Yeah. I got into barbering as a kid. I was about, I think, 15 years old or 14 or 15. My oldest brother, Adonis, he brought some clippers home. Why he brought them home, I don't know. But um, I gave him a chance to cut my hair. You know, he got he has five brothers there. He did a terrible job, long story short. Uh, I, I felt I could do a better job myself. And that's when the little budding barber started. Okay, and now what, how many, how many barbershops you have now? Right now I have seven locations, but I've had a total of 11. And I opened my first location June 15th, 1996. And this is Levels Barbershop. Levels Barbershop, correct. Wow. What made you decide to do a franchise as opposed to just having like the one or two businesses? Most people stop at one or two businesses. What made mm -hmm. you go and start a franchise? Well, technically it's a chain store. Chain, okay. And um, I'm just like that. I'm an overachiever. Um, I, well, I have one. Well, also some people open up a barbershop as a barber, so they always have a, a place to work. My goal was always to open up a barbershop and businesses so I didn't have to cut hair anymore. Not that I didn't want to, not that I don't still love the craft, but I'm always looking for growth. And I can put myself in a position to make money while I'm sleeping. And that's the goal of any true entrepreneur. <laughs> Right, you wanna, you know, you wanna just not work. But I, I feel like even every time you, like you're at a point where I think you don't have to do that now, what makes you still strive? Like you said, you, won't, you don't wanna have to cut hair, so now you've achieved that goal. Right. But then you are, as you reach that goal, you, you aim for higher. I'm a serial entrepreneur, <laughs> that's what they say. You know, I've right. had a, a plenty of plenty ideas that I've tried and had some success and some failures, so, I mean, I wake up with ideas and I might only be able to get a chance to present maybe a fifth of the ideas that come through my mind. So I'm very creative and I have a lot of ideas and most of them have to do with business, you know, or a business can come from them. So 
Right. You know, if I maybe had more time, more resources, I would uh, try and, you know, bring some of these ideas to fruition. And some I do and some I don't get a chance to. So so I, I know I know a bunch of people that have ideas and I always I always say that, you know, ideas is nothing without the execution. So how do you you have these great ideas, which is already, I'm not knocking, I'm not taking it from anybody who just has ideas, but to be a person that has the idea, but then has the wherewithal to execute the ideas and stick to them and, and see them through, like where does that come from? I couldn't tell you, honestly, but um, a lot of times I just feel as if I don't get these ideas out of me, is it'll drive me crazy. You know, I have to bring some of these ideas to fruition. And even if they're they're not successful, at least I did it. At least I tried, you know, and I know one of these ideas is going to make me a multimillionaire. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is true. This is true. And, you know, um, the beautiful thing about it is, you know, I look, I look at you and you're, you're having fun. You know, I, I've seen people working hard and they they've seen that to have like what I consider would be success. I don't know what other people view as success, but they don't seem to ever be happy. You actually enjoy it. Um, it looks like a game to you, like you're having fun with it. Um, speak to that, like to that point, like what makes you so happy about this? And I think because I float in a right medium. Like I could have more barbershops, for sure. I could open up more barbershops and I can expand what I'm doing, but I think it would take away from my time. So right now with the seven locations, I bought myself time to do other things and explore other avenues. I could go crazy and, and, and do more, but I don't think I would be happy. And I think that's maybe it's the cause of other people's unhappiness that they might be doing too much. Maybe the frustrations might come from somebody saying, yo, why am I not here? And I should be here too. I think we all might, that might cross our mind, but it's the one thing is to have it affect you or not affect you, you know, or not affect you in a negative way. We all look at other, other people's success. I mean, it's almost impossible not to, especially now with social media. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you just got to get a grip on it when you're, when you're, you know, out of control and you're looking at things from the wrong perspective. You know, I think it's okay to have those thoughts cause we're going to have them, but you have to have control of of them, you know. So yeah, you have you have people that they're looking at other people and they're trying to they're they're weighing their success or their progress by other people and where they're at. You know, there's a person that I read and said, you know, don't compare your your chapter one to someone else's chapter twenty. And the right. thing about it, we don't know where anybody else is really. You know, we just see success and we think the person is successful at that point. We we've recognized it. We don't know how what they've put and what they've done to get there. So I try not to do that. Right. And success is different to everybody. You know, someone could be successful monetarily. They, they feel that success and someone can be at a point of peace and feel successful. So. Man, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely <laughs> true. <laughs> so do you have any, any, any stories in your life? Like in terms of like, you know, I think you had mentioned to me at one point, like, you had one job that you could remember. You was in the medical field. And what made you decide, like what what were you doing and what made you decide not to, you know, to not to work for anybody? And what age were you? 
Um, I worked my first summer youth job, like, a, you know, kids from New York City. We had a program. I don't know if they still have it called Summer Youth. And you, when you're in high school, you would go and fill out paperwork and get your working papers. And then you were able to work for Summer Youth. It was a summer job, usually, for the kids in the city. And you worked your summers. It's like your, most kids from the city's first introduction to, to working. The first year I was four, 14, I worked as a camp counselor, ironically. You travel with the camp. But the second year, I worked as a messenger in Mount Sinai Hospital. And I remember uh, one day out of the week, I just didn't show up. I was feeling some kind of way or whatever, and I just didn't go. You was ill? I wasn't ill. Okay. I was just, I'm a moody person sometimes, and I, I don't know, I just didn't want to go. So I didn't go. And of course, I wasn't, you know, schooled on calling out and so on and so forth. I don't think I even had a number to do that. But when I went in the next day, one of the people that worked there, I guess, were supervising the summer youth workers. And it was a female. She said, do you know if you really had a permanent job here and you didn't come in uh, and you didn't call that you would be fired? And I never forget her saying that. And I thought, wow, that's terrible. Like you could lose your job for not coming in one day and not calling. And I thought that that was very unfair. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't want to put myself in that position. Right. Wow. And just from, it's like that. You just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. 15 years old. 15 I was years like, old. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to. And so before you went into the barbering business, you, you also was an artist. Like what was the name of your group and how did that start out? Yeah. No, actually that was, oh. um, I, I, when I was in my group, first I started off as a dancer. Okay. I was cutting hair while I was doing all this. When I was um, 18 years old, I got an opportunity to dance for a, a record profile recording artist, Special Ed. And he was a new artist from Brooklyn at the time, and it was the 80s. And I remember I was in, I was going to New York Tech College in Brooklyn because I went to Chelsea Vocational and I studied computer repair, computer maintenance. So I was going to continue that whole thing. I was sold on the computers as the future and right, right. somebody's going to have to fix them. So I went to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just not you right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I was in college. I was in my first semester and I remember we went for an audition. We got the, we got it and I started as a dancer and I quit school and I went on tour with special ed and it was, I think it was one of the best things I did. So soon after that, I think I, we danced for him for a year and a half or two years. Then I got an opportunity from being in a music business, being around artists, being in music videos. We uh, got a chance to audition for a producer, a young producer and his dad. His name was Salam Remy. And we were already going by the name of Jiggy as dancers. Right. right. Um, and he produced our songs and we, we presented it to the label. It was Polydor under Polygram and we got signed. And our we had two singles, Toss It Up and and Waking in the Dough. And it, it was a self titled album, Jiggy. And it came out like ninety one. I know you I was I was listening to that back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but at sim simultaneously I was I mean, I stopped cutting hair when we actually went on tour, but throughout the whole time of making the album producing the album, I was still cutting hair and I remember they had like a little party for me because I was like, you know, I'm not, I've retired from cutting hair about five times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, I was in a group, Jiggy. We actually just had a meeting the other day. We we're going to work on a project together. Just 
because old friends getting together and have some fun again. Yeah, on the wraps, so you can talk about it. We're just in the beginning stages, but yeah, we want to work on a project that it would include a documentary, an album, and um, uh, merchandise. That's awesome, man. Because that's that's the way to go. Because you know, if we don't tell our stories, then someone else is going to tell them. You know, and I love to hear when artists, you know, decide they're gonna, you know, because I listened to you guys back back then, and I was always wondering, I was I wasn't under, I wasn't that well versed in what happens to artists, so I didn't know. When I, when I heard an artist and then they disappeared, I assumed, oh, they just didn't want to work anymore. I didn't think about all of the politics that, you know, that go in behind. But you, you understood that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming up in the music industry. So what are some of the things that might have, um, I guess, affected you that you, were, that you might not have been aware of before you got involved in the business? Um, we kind of slid in there, one, you know, so we weren't prepared Truly, you know, they say when preparation meets opportunity is when you have your luck. And I think we, we got it backwards. We had our luck first. Uh, we weren't really uh, rappers at the time. We were just artists, you know, but we got an opportunity and we took it. I'm glad we did take it. And I think our lack of preparation is the reason why we didn't have a longer uh, span in the music industry, right, you right. know. I think, you know, and it's a lot of factors. You know, we made some some cool music, I think, you know, but it wasn't anyone in anyone of us in the group's like dream. Like we wasn't like writing since we were young and like some of the rappers you hear today. And I know some of their stories are not that way, but I think the people, sometimes the people that really excel in things, they've had their 10,000 hours of mastery, you know? Right, <laughs> 10 right. years of 10,000 hours, so they're prepared. And we weren't, and but what it did do, it gave me a, a peep into how the dynamics work in the music industry. You know how the lawyer—you need a lawyer—and you know how, how, what happens if you don't make the sales, and how they choose to, to uh, allocate your budget and video, and so so. I've learned, I've used what I've learned in the music industry to promote my barbershop. Man, you read my mind. I was going <laughs> to ask you that. <laughs> definitely, definitely I applied a lot of things I saw in marketing and advertisement from being a recording artist to my business levels, barbershop. I tried to approach it the same way on a smaller budget, but always knowing that you have to promote, promote, promote and market your business. Man, it's funny because I was talking to a friend and we were talking about marketing and something that he said was, you know, he thought, and shout out to my boy Dino, he thought that in order to be a good comedian, he had to be funny. So he had to be the funniest he could be. He said, but that's not the whole truth. The whole truth would be telling people how good you are, saying by what you're putting out into the world. Right. You know, I have friends now and they tell me, well, you know, I don't, I don't really want to brag about what I'm doing and you don't want to eat because if you look at the people that's eating, they don't even do anything. I mean, I'm not even insulting anybody. I'm just talking about when I say they're not doing anything, some of my other friends who are doing amazing things behind the scenes, you will never hear about it. I don't hear about it. So if I don't know about it and I'm your friend and what makes you think that a stranger is going to dig and find out, you know, you know what you're doing. Yeah. One of the other excuses I hear is, you know, is, well, the right people know. And I just have to I accept that because I don't know who those people are. But um, 
The right people are every, I don't know. everybody. Yeah, I don't know who they are. You know, I feel like, you know, when somebody tells me that, I don't know how to take it because I, you know, I don't know every industry. So I, I can't argue that point because I don't know what they mean. I don't know if they mean like, well, when this person, particular people who's running the strings, they doing everything. And if they like it, they'll put it to the masses. That's how I take it. But I don't know if that's what the people mean or not. I don't think they know what they mean. Yeah. They're just giving you an answer. And you are absolutely right. And I've, struggle with that too because I'm humble and I know I could be further along if I was more you know flamboyant about everything I'm doing and I'm actually working towards that and I know that is working with my Sunday sermon because I'm ruffling a few feathers <laughs> right right we, uh, <laughs> you know or they say well you sound arrogant and I'm like right good right. That's what I'm going for bro <laughs> let me tell you something when 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 people don't have an opinion about you, that's when you know you're doing something wrong. The only time people started, you know, I, I got the first time this woman ripped into me like it was a couple of months ago. I've been on social media for a long time. Nobody has ever really said anything to me, a stranger at that. And I always say like, there was a quote that I read and it said, you know, if you got a problem with me, if I say something that bothers you, you know, call me, you know, pick, me, pick up the phone and call me, I, I, I'll talk to you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have my number, you don't know me well enough to be upset with me. So she don't have my number. So I was like, she gave me a whole three pack. I didn't read the whole thing. I just read some of it. And, and part of it was you're arrogant, who you think you are to, do, to say this kind of things. And I said to myself, I started smiling. I was like, yo, somebody is listening. You watched 10 minutes of a stranger you don't know. And then you were point by point talking about that. I'm like, wow, I, I got excited. Cause now I'm like, you're saying something that somebody cares enough about to write three paragraphs. Right. And I just said, you know, have a blessed day, sister. <laughs> yeah, they say, say what you want, but say, say what you spell want. my name right. Spell my name right, yeah. So yeah, that's dope. So I think that, I think you're 100% right in the fact that, you know, putting out something that people can engage with as opposed to hoping that they stumble onto you by someone else saying, oh, yo, check out my boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I agree with you on that 100%. That's how we got our president. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't touching that one, man. <laughs> but you know, so so what when you think about when you think about legacy, right? And the things that you've done, what are some of the things you want to be in a conversation? You know, that's not not right this second, but let's say down the road when you know you're you're older and you're just chilling. What the, what are some of the things that you want? to uh, reflect on and be said about you? Well, when it comes to um, the barber business and the Levels Barbershop, and I see it happening, but when I was coming up, there was a legendary guy, Jerry, in Jerry's Den, and Jerry had like 10 locations, and I never even went to Jerry's Den, but everyone in the New York City area knew about Jerry's Den. His shop for my generation was legendary, and that's what I want for levels. Like people have actually called me from the barber school and got a job and it was like, it was my goal to work at levels, you know? Wow. So <laughs> when they say that I smile, you know, it, it, it actually makes me laugh, you know, that someone thinks that much of the levels brand that they said it was my goal to work at levels, you know? And so that's what I want when it comes to my business, what I'm most known for, I guess, is levels. I, that I want 
the legendary status for levels, you know? <laughs> well, no, I think, and I think, yo, I tell you, I, I think that that's something that's already happening because you, you put yourself in, in the arena, you know, you know, you're not just a person that talks because I, I see a lot of people, they say certain things. Like at one point, I remember you told me, you know, I did some stuff for you. I shot some music videos for you. I did some other stuff. I shot your barber battles and you told me, yo, I want to, I want to, take some control over the visual aspect and you went out you bought a camera you really applied yourself i see the the stuff you're doing you're getting better you started your podcast so just things that i was like man you know this dude said he's gonna do it and you did it and i have a lot there's a lot of people out there that they say they want that but they're not willing to, to get their hands dirty and, and get it done so i i think that you you definitely on the right path with that in terms of that yeah those are special people because mm -hmm. we all have ideas and we all want things, but the special people actually do what it takes to bring those ideas to fruition. Those are the special people. And it's not a lot of people like that, mm -hmm. you know? So my hat's off to everybody who says they're going to do something and they actually do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just piggyback off that. It starts by not caring so much about what people think about what you're going to do. Because, you know, sometimes you, you, you think about, you know, this goes out to anybody out there. You might think, it starts by, I think first, getting used to not caring what the people in your close circle think. Right. Not saying you don't respect what they think, but it's a difference between, you know, a person having an opinion about how you can handle something. It's another thing about somebody telling you how to live your life. So once you, once you take care of that first, you send it out to the world. Listen, my parents, my mother, my cousins, my sisters, my girlfriend, my wife, my brothers, they don't tell me what to do. So that, that lets people that are not as close to you get a, get the clue. You're not gonna influence, you're not gonna influence right. me. You know, you got my air. I mean, I give people my air. Like, there's a, I'm very respectful. You respectful to me and you bring something to me, I, I listen to you. There's fans or there's people that listen to what I'm doing and they, and they have an idea, but it's to a certain level that I'm gonna listen to you, especially when you haven't thrown your hat in the ring. Yeah, and you don't have to take everything don't have that to. someone presents you. You can it could be one thing, a piece mm -hmm. that you can take, you know. So and at the end of the day, if you feel if you see yourself growing and you see yourself being successful, then keep doing what you're doing. I always right. say that. When when mm -hmm. I have second thoughts and the, some of my friends chime in with their thoughts and ideas and how I should do things. At the end of the day, is my decision to make. And if I feel like I'm still growing and going in the right direction, I tell myself, keep doing what you're doing. Right. <laughs> well, one of one of my things that I that I've and this is a, a separate scenario because I totally agree with that. But one of the things that I've that I decided for this year was, you know, I realize that sometimes you get into I get into debates with people that, for lack of a better word, fools. You know, foolish foolish conversations with with people that. They don't have anything to lose. And I read a quote and it said, you know, um, when the fool argues with a wise man, they're on the same level. There's nothing, there's no, there's not much difference. And the fool knows that. So I decided, you know, I say it, I say something every year that I lock onto, but this is something that really has been helping me because you see yourself getting into something. And I just step back. I look at the situation and I'm like, why is this person so angry? This has nothing to do with you. Like so, a lot of the stuff has nothing really to do with them per se. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, but I don't need to argue the point with them. I just could just, okay, you see it that way, I see it this way. 
I just had a conversation with one of my barbers in my shop. He got into an altercation with one of the other barbers. And I told him, like they say, from a distance, when you're arguing with a fool, they don't know which one is the fool from a <laughs> right. distance. This is true. And the other thing is put a time frame on it. Like if you see it going foolery within a one minute, then you cut it off. Mm -hmm. Like the problem is continuing. Right. You have to know when to say, okay, this is not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm going to end it now. Right. And that comes with maturity. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, you know, <laughs> the other thing is, you know, it's the power of our words and what in our time, what we do with it. Now, I figured one of the things that I'll say is if you if you're in a disagreement with somebody that has as much to lose as you, then you don't fight that long. But think about it. That, that's the when you argue with some people, it's like to me, you arguing with a person that has nothing to lose. It's like, you know, a, a man with a house you know, arguing with a homeless guy, mm. trying to fight him. He don't have a place to live. You got this mansion. You could lose everything by arguing with this person, you know? Yeah, and you're making their day, and you're they know that. Their day. <laughs> because, yeah, because, you, know, you know, you know how many careers, you know this, how many careers have been started because somebody high up looked down and said, you know, this person got to them on an emotional level because we're human beings at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But when you're in an emotional state, you're not always thinking strategically. And I've definitely been guilty of that. And I can tell you, since I've gotten a hold of it, I look at stuff and I be laughing at it. Things that used to get me angry or the people that used to occupy space in my head, they see that I don't care. It's crazy. They avoid me now. Your emotions can get you killed. Definitely, you know? definitely. So, you know, they say never make a decision, a business decision when you're emotional. And I'm, when I'm saying emotional, I mean when you're feeling good or bad. Right. You know, because when a deal comes on the table and you're feeling good, like one guy tried to negotiate a lease with me for a store and I was in Costa Rica having a good time. <laughs> and I told him, you know what? I don't want to negotiate right now because I'm having a great time and I'm liable to agree yeah. with some of the things you're presenting. I said, give me a chance to get back home and sell it in my thoughts and then I'll respond. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we've all made that mistake and say, that's when you say, Give me a chance to think about it. That's yeah. the mature thing. When someone, and people try and put you on the spot and get, get an answer right away, don't allow them to do that. Tell them, give me a minute, let me think about it, or let me get back to you. Right, and I, and I find, you know, it's funny, like even when it comes down to people I'm gonna interview, I got an idea, I wanna interview somebody, but I got people that, that you know, I call them, mentors that I bounce things off. You know, there's different types of mentors. I have mentors that sometimes I just bounce things off. And like, what do you think about this? And just bounce it off of them. And they point out things that I, maybe I don't want to hear at the time, but it makes logical sense. Right. Like I just, I just, you know, I, I see this person. I like them. They're a friend of mine. I consider them friendly. They're talented. I want to interview them. They're like, yo, but what about this? What about that? What are their, where is their listenership? What are, their, what are their goals? What are their plans? How does that help your business? And, I, and stuff that I don't want to hear, but at the end of the day, once I get off of the, you know, emotional, the emotional part, <laughs> yeah. because you know, you ask these people because you obviously you care about what they think and you know that they're level-headed and then you realize, you know, they're making the good points. And so I'm like that for some people and I want to make sure that I'm listening to people like that. So that's why I do bounce ideas. So, right. yeah. What's one of the things that you would 
you know, that you would do differently if you could do, if you could start from 19 again when you got that first opportunity um, and you were dancing with your buddies and y'all got, you know, y'all decided to um, become artists. What would you, what would you have changed if you could? Oh, we made a lot of mistakes, you know. Like what, what you got? We made a lot of mistakes in the way we handled things. I think, I think in a lot of cases, your downfall is not having mentorship. You know, mm-hmm. not, I mean, when I was young, I didn't even know what a mentor was. Right. No one presented that idea, whether you know what the terminology of mentorship means or not. I just don't feel like I had enough older people who had experience. I think I was, when I opened up my first shop in 1996, I think it was the next year, it was a guy by the name of Wayne Fannin. He was an older man. He was like 70 something years old. And I was introduced to him by another guy who was also then my mentor, Lawrence Alamin. He did our gold leafing on all our stores on the window. And he used to look up to Wayne Fannin. Wayne Fannin was a businessman. He had several cleaners and he was a tailor. And like, I remember him as like kind of being one of my first mentors. He, he would tell me things and he had a business mind and he would even sometimes say, call me a dummy, you know, like <laughs> he didn't mean it, but you know, like how on the Fred Sanford, oh, you're big dummy, you know. Like, <laughs> my dad does that to So he would say things and I, right. that's, that was my first like really realizing that He's a mentor. This guy, he's trying to, he's telling me things. He told me, I remember he told me, he said, listen, you in here fixing stuff. He said, don't, you, you don't need to be fixing things. He said, hire you a handyman to do all that stuff. You'll kill yourself trying to do everything. You know what I mean? I remember him telling me that, you know, and I was like, and I listened to him, you know, and he would just say things because he, he had businesses and he was a businessman and Ironically, he was when he was trying to get me to go to Rio de Janeiro, where I'm going to in a few days. Back then, in like 1996, 97, he was like, "You should go to Rio de Janeiro." And I'm, I'm at that time, I'm like, "Why he keeps stressing Rio de Janeiro?" You know what I mean? Right. Why he keeps stressing me? I didn't even know where it was really. You know what I mean? He says, "You need to go to Rio de Janeiro." I used to go there every time I had a break at the Merchant Marines. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think not having mentorship is is one thing that I would do over. Is he still around, this guy? Or no, he's passed. passed, Okay, because he was like seventy something then. And so, what made him? What made him help you? Exactly, his words of advice. No, no, no. I mean, what what encouraged him to help you? I don't know. Maybe he just took a liking to me. He was introduced to me by uh, Lawrence, and uh, he took a liking to me. He he and Lawrence introduced me to a lot of books. You know, Napoleon Hill and. You know, Dale Carnegie, they introduced me to those type of books that are bestsellers and uh, what they call them, self-help books. And they introduced me to that whole thing there that helped change my life and have me look at things differently. And also it just resonated with me that certain things I was doing, I was right for doing them and I was already on the right track. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're doing the right thing already, but then you see something and it just reassures you that you're doing the right thing. And that's what them introducing me to those books and things helped me to help me to do. Right. Like, so like getting, like getting confirmation, right? Cause yes. what, what happens sometimes, you know, we're, we're on a path and you think you're the only one on it because like, you know, the, the path of an entrepreneur or a person that's, uh, you know, doing this, there's not a lot of people that, 
you know, now it's becoming trendy, but it's not something that a lot of people really consider 100%. They think that, you know, I'll get up today, I'll try it out and let's see where it goes. But the, the strategist is thinking, you know, I'll do, I'll do 50 sales uh, at $60 and I'll make X amount. Cause you know, you're gonna have more, less time than you will have time to strategize. Right. So if you think about an hourly, there's only about so many hours in a day. And if you keep thinking, you know, hours by how much I should get paid, you're gonna always be capped at something. Yeah, right? you're setting your parameters. You're setting your parameters. But if you do it as in, you know, I'm gonna do this amount of sales and you start thinking about sales, it's different. You start thinking about your marketing, your merch. Like I was telling my boy recently, we, he was like, yo, you got, your merch is just everywhere. And I told him watching like the younger generation actually. Like I seen the older people back when I was coming up do it, but they seem to have put it down and the young people have picked up the mantle. A lot of people that have really got me re, you know, reinvigorating merch, they buy merch and even if they don't sell it, they sit on it, but they always have something. So I mean, somebody's birthday comes up, I got like, I got people that in my circle that's like, you know, they're well to do. And I just, I put a hat in a bag and I come and they're like, oh man, they put it right on in the party. I'm like, wow. And that's something that the younger generation taught me. They're like, Glenn, it's not about selling everything. It's about sometimes you got to gift it. You got to put it on the right you people. Put it on. <laughs> exactly, put on the right people. And that's something that, you know, my generation was, we was on it, but I'm telling you, these new guys, they are relentless. They're relentless with yeah. it. I don't know where they get it from. They, well, they're in the generation in of the generation. influencers. That's true. You're <laughs> so right. you're right. They they grow they grow. We didn't know what an influencer was. The influence that there were influencers, but we didn't really have a title and we didn't know how to recognize them. Oh no no! I knew you was an influencer. Like no, I'm not gonna let you say that. You was an influencer. I saw you. No, I mean when we were kids, right? Oh, kids. It might be the guy who was who, was who was dressed up gotcha. that influenced everybody else to have that style. But he didn't have a he didn't have a title. And he, and he and didn't have a social reach. media page. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> but by the time I'll tell you what, by the time I started seeing certain individuals, even before like social media was big, like I look at some pictures I have now, and I seen some of the people that kind of inspired me. And I just happened to take a picture with them. They was always, it was always a circle of people around them and they was always talking to them. And then somebody sent me some photos that I didn't see in 10 years that I was in. And I had a group of people and I, I'm gonna post that on Throwback Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Influencers before social media. Right, before we before that, had that title. Yeah, we've know? been influencing. And I think some people, like if you wanna be an influencer for the sake of, of standing around in a circle, yeah, you could do that. But we was doing this with no cameras around. Mm -hmm. I don't know who took that picture. Somebody right. just sent it to me and I was like, wow, that'd be a nice throwback. But yeah, you definitely one of those people I, I consider, you know, you put a lot of work in and and I think you you take your time out to teach. Yes. You know? Thank you. And that's that's something that you don't see a lot. Well, I know you got your, you have your barbershops. You had it at some point you had you had the barber in school, right? Yeah, for a little while. You know, you have your sermon Sundays. Like, what's the overall you got your podcast? There's a lot you got. You had your clothes in the Harlem High. You have a lot of stuff. You had the barber battles. So what's next for you in terms of um, where you want to go? Um, developing my YouTube channel, which is Barber World TV. Uh, I, my goal for this year is 100,000 followers. <laughs> and I don't want to get caught up into the followers thing, but yeah. it's it's more of a goal. You know, not that I need it, but I need something to strive for. And I'm trying to develop a bit out where I have a segment each day, a different thing. We have Sunday Sermon. We have the podcast on Mondays. We have How To Tuesdays. 
We have a product review Wednesdays. Um, Thursday, I'm not sure, but we're going to have the uh, Barber Beauties, where it's going to be a female barber that I'm going to interview. And then we have the international stuff going on. So this year is 50 barbers, 50 states, 12 countries. You know what you gonna do with that? You gonna you gonna feature them? Well, when I go into the states, I'm gonna in, interview. I'll have my podcast interview, and I'm gonna film them doing a demonstration. You know, so I'll have two things out of my week taken care of, and then an international taken care of. And through that travel, I'll get the female barbers, and so it's focus, pretty much focusing on the Barber World TV, and um, taking it to the next level. Now, when you said a hundred thousand followers, right? Now, and you said something very interesting. Now, with all the things that you've accomplished, right? you didn't have those numbers, right? mm -hmm. but you're still a successful person. I think that the numbers, sometimes I think, because people, they go for the numbers and they get them, but it's the quality. Like you, you, one thing I can say about you is you focused on quality. Yes. And I don't think that the numbers really ever defined who you are, I think that actively going up, I'm a person, I actively go after numbers, but not high numbers, I go after like the quality. Right. And I think that that's really your your niche, like that part of it. Yeah, I, I don't expect, like <laughs> it still would be grassroots. Right, and I'm just right. putting that number out there because okay. I'm putting it into the universe okay, for manifestation got purposes. Got it. But my goal is really to work harder on this channel, you know, and do everything I set out to do. And I believe with that hard work, the numbers will come. Of course. You know, so it's, it's, you know, it's like shoot for the moon. If you miss, you hit the stars. You know what I'm saying? It's just going for it. You know, I don't really expect myself to make 50 states, but if I do 25, I'm cool with that. No, you know what no. I mean? No, that if, I, if I do, if I'm at 30,000 at the end of the year, I'm great with that. You know what I mean? But always want to set, set your goal higher. Is it dream? If you're going to dream, dream real big. No, no, I, I no, and I, to, listen, I totally agree with that. It's just, you know, when it comes down to, you know, especially in social media, you got people, they listening. And I think that we've got, we've gotten to a place where people, they focus so hard on looking like the guy mm. when you, when you, when you just become the guy or you, you remember why you started. That was a quote I, I, I saw recently that I liked. It said, remember why you started. Right. And a lot of it has to do with the quality of stuff that we put out. So I see that you already doing that. You know I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody that's doing it, that's chasing the, the craft itself and trying to just enhance things and then they're trying to, you know, do things for the culture that's going to make it and lift it up. Those people automatically, when you find them, it's like people lock you in. Mm -hmm. You know, but when you got a person that just got a big following and you start to go and listen to what they're saying, you like, they're so concerned. They'll say anything just if it means they'll get 10,000 fo more yeah, followers. I understand that. And they won't necessarily think about like bringing up the culture and what's going to happen. So we're going to wrap it up in a minute, but I got one final question for you. When you started out, did you ever imagine that you would have the success that you've had? Maybe I expected it. You know, I expected to continue to grow because that's my mind state. And I always knew that I would be willing to put in the work for the growth. So I'm not surprised where I am. And I also know that I could be further along if I if I worked harder, if I really wanted to. And maybe if I, um, you know, cut back on some some. Uh, <laughs> 
like uh, morally, you know, my perspective is I have morals and scruples. You know what I mean? And I know some people are more successful when they cut out on those things and on their integrity a little bit. And so I haven't been willing to cut back on my integrity. So, you know, we are where we are. <laughs> now that makes it, that's a respectable thing, man. If, if, if that, if that kept you back, you know, cause I think there's a way to do it. It's still keep that goodness in us. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause that's the thing. Like what makes, what makes it, what sense would it make to like, you know, you know, but how's it go again if to, 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 to rule the world and lose yourself in the process? Right. So my final question is going to be, what advice would you give to the newer people coming up, whether they're into entertainment business, barbers, give them something that they could hold on to um, that, you know, whether they're old or younger? I would say stand by your work. And what I mean when I say that is that everything you do and everything you present Make sure that you're proud of it, you know. Make sure you're proud of it, you own it, and you sleep good at night, you know. I think that'll lead you into a, a much more healthier life and lifestyle, being able to stand by your work, you know. When you say that, you mean, like, don't take jobs if you're, you know, some people will take a job and they won't put 100% into it because they don't feel like they were paid enough for it, or are you saying that they're, they don't put their best foot forward? No, I mean, like anything that has your name on it, you need to be willing to stand by and say, I did that. And I think if that you approach every situation like that, you're going to give it your all. And that's the only way you're going to win to me. Don't do anything that you're ashamed of because it, and you, you're doing the wrong thing by yourself. Everybody has the, the you know, you know inside what affects you in what way, you know inside when you didn't give it your all you know inside when you're ashamed of what you did you know what i mean you know right it, and it, for everyone is different some people do things that you would consider like wow that's foul and they don't so they just have to stand by your work you know so just so just find out a way so find out a way to live with whatever it is you're doing basically no but i mean not not live with it you know what i mean but okay it should feel right and be right or it you should know, resonate with you, right? Right. It's it should resonate in the right vibration with you. I mean, if you're not feeling it, don't do it. And and on that note, that was some great advice, Kamal. Thank you for coming <laughs> here and sharing your knowledge with the listeners. A lot of things that you've done have been inspirational and impactful in my own life. And having you as a mentor has guided a young person to see that you can do things for yourself. You could be your own boss. You can have your own business if you're willing to put in the time and dedication to achieve those things. I've seen you do it and you make it look so easy, even though we both know it's very difficult. But I want to thank you for just being the person that you are and wishing you much success in 2020. We got a lot of big things to do together and I'm looking forward to watch you reach even greater heights in the future. Thank you for having me, Glenn. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the 95Killers podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at 95Killers. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or loved one. Hope you're having a blessed day and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.
The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.